morning. We are reading from Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, so that's on page 1208. And we're reading Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through to 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though you, they, they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Thank you, Katie. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, I wonder if you're uh, into sort of detective uh, TV shows, uh, books, films, whatever it might be. Um, by and large, you know, whichever your favourite detective is, unless it's Columbo, and there's one more question, um, there's kind of a, a pretty set pattern. Because in Columbo, obviously, you know, it's not a spoiler to say you find out who the murderer is at the beginning, don't you? But all the other ones, uh, by and large, the pattern is uh, the, the show goes on, and then at the end, whoever it might be, they say, oh, uh, you know, they, they figure out all the clues, and they point the finger and say, you know, it's the butler, or whoever it might be. Um, now, the kind of the, the not-so-good ones, you kind of get to the end, and you go, oh, re I, really? Uh, okay. But the really good detective ones are the ones that you can then re-watch or re-read uh, the story, and then you also begin, your eyes open, you go, oh, I get it. I can see all those little clues that are hanging together. I can see how the story uh, works. Well, when we come to Hebrews, uh, we're not talking about a murder, thankfully. Uh, well, I suppose in some ways we are, actually. But, uh, but, um, but we're talking uh, about a way in which uh, the author of the Hebrews is helping us to understand all the things that have gone before. 
so that when we come to the Old Testament, when we read uh, the Old Testament, our eyes start to, to, to light up. We start, oh, I can see it. It's making sense. Uh, with knowing what is coming, uh, we then begin to understand uh, what the Old Testament was truly about. Uh, we see that actually as we read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, it's not a, a completely sort of separate work that we just put to the side and think, well, that was old, uh, we're new. No, actually, it's one complete work that we begin to understand more and more uh, as we see it through the person uh, of Jesus. And we get those, oh, yeah, moments. Uh, and this morning as we come to Hebrews 10, uh, the author of the Hebrews is trying to, to help uh, us, but obviously his readers, to get that sort of, oh, oh, yeah, I can see kind of what was going on. Uh, what this Old Testament law and the, the sacrifices were really about. So as we begin then, uh, let's uh, pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We thank you that it's good. And Lord, we pray this morning that as we come together and look at this passage, that we wouldn't simply understand Hebrews 10. Uh, we wouldn't actually even simply understand more of how your word holds together, but actually we would delight in Jesus, our Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you've got a Bible, um, it'd be helpful just to keep it open. We're going to keep going back to the, the passage. So it's page uh, 1208 uh, in the church Bibles. But there it is. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 1. The first part of verse 1. Uh, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, uh, not the realities uh, themselves. When we read that, we're seeing that actually that this whole sort of Old Testament, the law, was never meant to be the real deal. It was never meant to be kind of the main event. No, the law is partial and provisional. You know, just like when you get that provisional driving license. It means you can go driving, but it's not the full thing, is it? No, the full thing is yet to come. And here the author is saying, look, the law is partial and provisional. It's a, a shadow, a, a reflection of what is to come in the future. And he carries on in verse 1 and says, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. It can't actually make you perfect. Or, or put more, um, even more sort of succinctly in verse 4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible. It doesn't matter how good your sacrifice is. You may have a sacrifice. You may even not have any sacrifice. You may have an M&S sacrifice. You know, you may have the best sacrifice possible. You may do it every day, every hour. It doesn't matter. It is impossible for the blood of boys and goats to take away sins, no matter how good, no matter how often uh, you bring it. It's impossible. I mean, and if it were possible then why are we not doing it today? If it were possible, um, why don't 
we bring a sacrifice with us today. Why don't you walk in the door with your goat to, to come to bring? Well, we don't because the law was partial and provisional. It was a shadow. It was a, a four-pointer. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It had a purpose. Look at verse 3. But these sacrifices, those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. The, the need, the Levitical system was, was there to remind people to show, look, there is a need. That, that, that actually there is a, uh, a gap between who we are and the Lord. We, we can't just walk up to him. In fact, your sin needs to be made atoned for. And in, more than that, actually, our, our sin has consequences. It's not just kind of offering a few quid. No, no sin. The consequence of sin is death. And this animal is taking your place. The sacrifices are a reminder of sin. But remember, verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. It's pointing forward to something else. And what is that? What has it been pointing forward to? Well, that's where we get to verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you prepared for me, with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. Now, just before we uh, dive into what that means, there's just an issue we've just got to deal with first. And it's, it's there into the very first in verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came to the world, he said... Now, there's a little uh, letter A in my Bible... Uh, after verse 7, and you sort of think, well, that tells you it's referring to a footnote. And you'd probably expect to go, A, okay, I'm going to see something from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you know, a gospel, when Jesus was sort of talking and alive uh, in the world. But instead, you look down and it says, Psalm 40, verses 6 to 8. It's like, well, hang on. The author of the Hebrews has just said, when Christ came to the world, he said... But he's quoting something that happened before Jesus became a baby. He's quoting something that King David wrote. If you kind of look back at Psalm 40, it says, a psalm of David. You're like, well, what's going on there? I mean, it's a a bit of a head-scratcher. But remarkably here, what what the author of the Hebrews is saying, he's saying that actually when, when David wrote these words way back, sort of uh, about sort of, you know, 1,000, 700,000 years before Jesus. When David wrote these words, actually, he was writing them as one who was inspired by God. But more than that, actually, the pre-incarnate Jesus was the, the author of them. So Jesus, uh, God the Son, did not, uh, as the creed said, was begotten, not made. That is to say, he didn't become a, a living thing at Christmas time. No, he's always existed. He's always been there. At Christmas, he took on flesh. Uh, and here, uh, we're saying that actually that Jesus, that the Son of God, who's always existed, 
is the real author of these words. He was the one uh, who, is, who not simply inspired David and, and helped David to write them. He's the true fulfillment uh, of them. He's the one that actually these words are really about. And so all of a sudden, when we think of that, when we go back to read Psalm 40, it gives a whole new depth of meaning to it, a whole new uh, sort of depth of understanding that we might not have otherwise have. And what is it? Well, it's that sacrifices are not enough. Verse 8. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, uh, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Don't misunderstand this. He's not saying they were wrong. They weren't wrong because, as it says there, they were given in accordance with the law. They were what God commanded to be done. But rather, they are always partial and provisional. God was, was not pleased with them in so much as they could not take away sin. They couldn't do it. It's impossible, verse 4, impossible for the, the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's why sacrifices are not enough. That's why he says, verse 8, uh, that you, were, you did not desire them or you're pleased with them because they're partial and provisional. So when Christ came, verse 9, then he said, here I am, I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. When Christ came, he came fully as the true and proper sacrifice. Because when animals are sacrificed before, they didn't really get much choice in it, did they? You take your bull, your goat, whatever, and you would sacrifice them. But here, Jesus says, here am I. Jesus offered himself freely. We might want to say that, that Jesus was given for us, but we also actually have to absolutely say Jesus gave himself for us. See, the love of Christ for you and for me is that he would freely, willingly give up his life upon the cross. His sacrifice replaced the previous uh, the provisional law was replaced by the permanent Christ. The partial law was replaced by the full Christ. And so, verse 10, and, that by, and, and, that, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifices of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus' sacrifice doesn't point to something else. It is the real deal. It is the finished work. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. It's not provisional or partial. It is full and permanent. And if there's any doubt about that, the, the author of Hebrews just gives us a couple of uh, reasons to believe him or, or, or to kind of back up his claim. Uh, uh, the first is found in verse 11, or starting in verse 11. 
where he says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. The job of the priest was to to represent the people. Uh, They'd come into the temple and they would stand. There was no chairs in the temple. They'd stand, they'd work day after day bringing the same sacrifices, constantly going on, constantly working on behalf of the people. Because the sacrifices are are partial and provisional, they don't fully, they they point to something else, but you've got to keep doing it. Whereas Jesus, verse 12 and 13, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. When Jesus offered his life upon the cross, he died, he wrote, he ascended, and then he sat down at the right hand of God because his work was finished. His work was finished. It was completed. And then that sort of uh, allusion to Psalm 110 that, that actually waiting for all things to be put under his feet. The priests had to offer sacrifices over and over again. But Jesus sits because his work is finished. Once for all, completed. But then secondly, uh, verses 15 uh, and or, uh, so yeah. Secondly, verses 15 and 16. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. At first, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I'll put my laws in their hearts. I will write, their, write them on their minds. If you were here a few weeks ago, uh, when I was preaching on Hebrews 8, you, you might remember these words. The quotation from Jeremiah 31. Uh, and here, uh, the author of the Hebrew is saying again, look, this is nothing new. This is what I promised. Remember we said this, sort of like those oh yeah sort of moments that we get as we look back through Jesus and see uh, how God has always been working? Well, he promised in Jeremiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, that actually that this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing. There is going to be a day when I will Make a new covenant with you. I will put my laws in your hearts and write it on your minds. Uh, which means that the, the Bible is, is not two sort of distinct parts. The old bit that we kind of, you know, a bit of history from. And then the New Testament where we hear about God's grace and goodness. No, uh, it's one story beginning to end. One coherent gospel message of God's working uh, in real time space history. But more than that, verse 17, then uh, he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. God promises he will forgive sins. He makes that promise by himself. He promised it of old and he promises today. Your sins are forgiven. So verse 18 And when those who have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. 
Jesus has finished the work of forgiveness. It's all been done. But at this point, this is where we've got to try to just to, to, to work it from our heads to our hearts. Because I don't know about you, um, I have never, not once, ever uh, sacrificed a bull or a goat. I don't know if you've done that. I haven't. Um, I, I've never once brought something in to, to, to do that, that work for me. So, so I'm, I've never felt that actually that, that I needed to do that to be saved, you know, to be forgiven. It's just something I've never done. Because I don't need to. But it means that when I come to a passage like this, I kind of just go, yeah, get it. All good. So just uh, as we sort of begin to try to rub it in, I suppose the question to ask ourselves is, how does God feel about you today? How does God feel about you today? You know, just think back to your past week. The things that you've said, or maybe not said. The things that you've done or not done. The, the thoughts in your head. Maybe even this morning, you know, when you woke up. How was it with the, the family? What are the... When you have that question before you, what do you think? It might be something along the lines of, you know, um, if it was a grade, you know, B minus, could do better, disappointed, frustrated, um, apathetic. Maybe something worse. But the answer is, if you're a Christian today, if you're somebody who, who, who puts your trust in Jesus as your Savior, Lord, and God, God's delighted in you. He's delighted in you. He loves you. You see, remember verse 4. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, our, it's impossible for us to do anything on our own. It's impossible for any work of ours, not just a, a, an animal sacrifice. We don't do that anymore. We know that. It's impossible for any work of our own, anything that we do, to make us right with God. It is only him and so much of our anxiety as Christians comes because we want to do what Jesus has already done. We're worried that I've got to add to it, I, uh, that I base my faith on my feelings about how I've done today or yesterday. You know, this week, how's my faith been? Has it been an M&S faith or has it been a quick, you know, pop the cup on the way home to grab something? All of those things don't work. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for any work, any effort to make you right with God. 
But that's why Jesus has come, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The author of the Hebrews is is speaking to people who are familiar with this sacrificial system, who are kind of almost trying to hold on to both at the same time. He's saying, look, it's ridiculous. You're holding on to something which is partial and provisional, which is pointing forward to something which is permanent and full. You don't need that. You've got this. And actually, the same is true for us. We don't need to hold on to our work and our effort and say, are you pleased with me today, God, because of what I've done for you, uh, when we've got Jesus who's fully paid the price. Jesus has paid it all, all to him I owe. So yes, we... We want to live our lives for Jesus. We want to, to, to be stuck in reading his words. We want to be uh, praying. We want to be giving uh, of our time and our treasure. We want to be doing good. But not because we want to earn the favor, but because we have it already. It's who we are. Because we've been given everything by Christ already. And this morning... I just hope that we can all glimpse that, even for a second, so that this week we may know, walking into this week, we are those who are loved of God, and whatever happens the second this service finishes, or even right now, or when we get home, uh, and whatever happens in that way, we are held and loved by Christ because he has died for us completely, saved us to the uttermost, to use the phrase earlier in Hebrews. So with that, go and live for him. He's paid the price for you. You are his. You're his child. And today he calls each one of us to say, you're free. Now go and live in light of that goodness. No sacrifice required because Jesus has paid it all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus has paid everything for us. Thank you that his sacrifice on the cross is permanent and full. Lord, may we just again today, this morning, afresh the wonder of what you have done for us. May we enjoy your goodness and your grace. And in light of that, live for you day by day.